0: Welcome to the Surveyor Hub Podcast, brought to you by Blue Box Partners, the only show dedicated to small business residential surveyors and valuers, created by surveyors for surveyors. In every episode, you'll learn something new about the vibrant and thriving industry of residential surveying. We don't mind what flavor of surveyor you are or what level of experience you might have. If you're in the business of helping people with their homes, this is the community for you. So welcome to the podcast. Today I've got three people on my panel. This is really just a discussion session because a few people have raised some concerns about being anxious about going back to work after a time off and what that might mean. Now today we've got Laura Coleman who I know I think Laura from some networking groups and also you ran a weekly meditation. Uh, well I think it was like at five o'clock when Boris was doing his updates and I remember tuning into it because I thought that's going to be much better than listening to Boris when I was in a real panic about everything (laughs) but you're not a surveyor so do you want to just briefly introduce yourself and explain what you do Absolutely. I, well, I am a
1: meditation and mindfulness expert and I founded Be Modern Meditation. And basically, I guess my ninja skill, if you like, is making those practices accessible and attainable no matter who you are or what your life looks like. Because often they can seem like things that are just either too difficult or not for you, but actually they have a really big benefit.
0: And you ran a couple of webinars and noticed that actually there were some surveyors on there. And so we connected and thought actually it might be good to talk about this more openly through a podcast. Hence, we've got this discussion and we can link through to um, any web free webinars or whatever you're going to be running in the future. for surveyors who want to explore that uh, a bit more, so we'll put links link and things in the show notes. And then we've got two other guests. So we've got Leslie. Hello, Leslie.
2: Hi, Maria.
0: So, Leslie is our surveyor hub admin. Who do you work for, Leslie? Do you want to tell people about what you do?
2: Yeah, I work in Lincoln for a private practice, JH Walter. I've been qualified since two thousand and one, and do residential homebuyers' building surveys and valuations, mainly private valuations, one or two bank vals, but um, yeah, fairly general, wide sort of broad.
0: And you said you sort of work more in the country rather than in cities.
2: It sounds quite idyllic. It is, yeah. We get some some quite big and unusual properties, and yeah, driving around the country, which is lovely. So I'm not really having problems that some of the surveyors are having who work in the towns and cities.
0: And we've also got Tim. Hi, Tim. Hello. Tell us a bit about your work and what you do.
3: Yes, so i My name is Tim Kenny. I'm an independent residential surveyor based down in Chichester on the south coast. So in the most, mostly glorious sunshine most year round. So yeah, working independent residential surveyor, uh, qualified. I don't know if I'm not going to try remember. I think 2007, eight. I don't feel like a long time ago now. Self-employed since 2014. On top of that, I'm also a, I suppose, a regular meditation practitioner. I suppose is the best way to put it, and also a trainer yoga teacher.
0: And that's why I reached out to you to join this conversation because I was keen to get more of a male input as well. And I think on LinkedIn you'd mentioned something about yoga meditation. And I thought, yes, you're the man. <laughs> you might you might get some of this, and it might not sound too woo woo. Uh, but you're also involved with the RPSA. Do you want to tell us a bit about that?
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I was an RPSA council member. Ooh, since again 2014, mainly responsible for kind of standards and a bit of social media stuff. More recently, I've been running a series of what we're calling uh, interactive social casts, kind of a, a bit like this, only with a, with an audience, chatting through some various bits and pieces of what are useful surveyors for, for in terms of things like uh, how to set up as an independent, how to use social media. We talked a bit, of, we've kind of covered lots of things over the last uh, six or seven weeks about what the RPSA do. Uh, and just by trying to provide some useful pe- information to people while we're all kind of being sat at home now.
0: Cool. So within the Survey Hub, we put together a poll, and I told people that we were going to record a podcast talking about what it's like to go back after work from furlough or for a period of time off and dealing with anxiety. And I put some suggestions down, and it was quite interesting because people were very sort of thinking very much about the practicalities of going back, the functional parts rather than actually what it felt like. And I had a conversation on every Friday morning. I have a women in surveying conversation where basically a bunch of us gals get together and have a chat about literally anything that's going on. And one of the ladies actually talked about her anxiety about going back because of using the toilets. Now, we have lots of debates about toilets and pictures of toilets in the surveyor hub in the past. But actually it was something she felt a bit embarrassed to talk to her employer about. You know and as we know, when we go into properties, not everybody's got a nice clean toilet. We've all got our little roots of favorite gas, uh, gas stations, petrol stations, you know, local Sainsbury's or whatever uh, in your patch, your, your go to, not just for your, your sandwiches, but also where you can uh, take a, a break, so to speak. And she was worried about it because the guidance has, has been so far that, you know, yes, you can, but you've got to give it a good clean. And you probably want to give it a clean beforehand and afterwards. And we've been talking a lot about PPE and the kind of PPE that we should wear and that's sort of all debatable. And so it became a real sort of stress. And the more we talked about it, and I put some posts out on LinkedIn and on Facebook saying, hang on a minute, has anyone thought about the practicalities of this? Not just for surveyors, obviously, there are others who who are out and about. And we've had an overwhelming response, particularly from women who are anxious about it and for anybody who's popped out a child or two it is something that weighs <laughs> weighs on your mind and so we've had a lot of anxious uh, women sort of talk about the physical symptoms and having to deal with some of those things anxiety how it makes it worse but also there are people out there who have a lot of gut health problems as well and be thinking about you know how can I use the loo and, and things like that so I put this sort of poll out uh, you know asking people might be worried about and that was one of the things that came up uh, at top so I thought it was important to talk about it we don't have solutions here necessarily but I think it's important to open the conversation for people who don't feel that they can talk about it with their employers or their um, or their colleagues and and Laura if I can come to you when we're anxious physical symptoms get worse but it can affect us in many different ways can't it Yes, because actually, and I think one of the things that one of the biggest things people have been
1: coming to me about has been anxiety since this whole sort of lockdown started. And it's kind of in waves, and I'm sure we've all experienced that, that at the beginning, there was a lot of anxiety. We were in that heightened. State and state and it triggers a physiological response, that fight, flight, freeze that we're aware of, which we know about, we're, all, we're often very familiar with the, you know, we get lots of adrenaline in our system, we're ready for action, but it also does things to things like digestion and those sorts of subsidiary systems. Because if my body is primed to fight off a tiger which is essentially what that fight, flight, freeze is all about. I don't need to be, for example, if I'm going to fight for my life, I don't need to fight for cold. Or if I, you know, if I'm trying not to be a tiger's lunch, I don't need to digest mine. So our bodies quite adaptively that dial down those systems. So if you've already got, you know, predisposition to having things like IBS and difficulties in things like digestion, when you are in that heightened stress state, which is likely to be triggered by going back out to work, and that sort of Constant that constant stress response—it's going to exacerbate those symptoms. And, and equally, if you something like meditation and mindfulness practices, they allow your your system to flick back across to that relaxation response, which doesn't necessarily mean that you feel relaxed. It just means that at a physical level, your body isn't triggered in the same way, and it can ease things like that, and even things like that brain fog. That kind of you know, not having, you know, when you mentioned about. You know, you can't access the practical solutions because your mind, you just actually, you are actually disconnected from that really, those higher thinking parts of your mind. And again, meditation can give you a really quick reset to get you back. And I think if people had, can build into their plan for going back ways that small, simple steps and practices that they can build into their day, it can actually be you know, accumulate and actually create ways for them to, you know, to actually sort of mitigate some of that stuff.
0: That's really interesting and really puts it into context. Tim, can I ask you, because you talked about yoga and meditation, how and why did that come about for you?
3: For me, well, it was um, back problems, which is probably the maybe the, the classic route into yoga for most people. I had some significant surgery on my abdomen back in 2012 and twelve, and knock on impact into my back so it got into to yoga and kind of in, into physical practices first but kind of goes along what goes along with that is obviously you know drifts into mental practices and you know and, and the more you look at it there is no real distinction between those physical and mental practices in a, in a real sense and so kind of through that route into sort of um, mindfulness practices and into a bit of kind of buddhist meditation and those kind of quite you know, very effective practices and they have a lot of a solid basis to them and what they do and, and how they work. And as, as, as Laura said, your mental and your physical connection are are very very close. And I think you know, as I perhaps coming at it from a, a different route, is that you can actually use that that physical response to identify when you having a mental response as well. And again, it's maybe more of a, a perhaps a masculine approach or perspective is that as men we don't we don't kind of we don't admit to feeling anxious or scared. Maybe sometimes we don't even notice ourselves because we're not examining the, the mental response. But if we stop and examine the physical response, we can say, actually, yeah, that's, that is being called, or that is thinking back to and feeding back into the, the mental response as well. So it's a, a, a two-way process.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, that's actually a really, I, I love that idea of actually tuning in to the physical as a way to access that. And I think if you're thinking about a plan for, you know, what can I do in my day? You know, it's not necessarily I have to plan to sit and do meditation. It could be a simple plan of, you know, almost having trigger points in your day where you go, I'm going to tune in and be aware of what's happening in my body right now. So having those cues of, okay, when I arrive at a property, before I get out of my car, I'm just going to do a body scan and just literally feel where do I how do I feel in my body right now? And often when that's all it takes for you to notice that your shoulders are about your ears and your jaws clenched and you're really tense. Mm. And that awareness in itself triggers you to lower the shoulders, take a couple of breaths, because you realise that you're not breathing. And that can be enough to just allow you to, to do that. So the plan for of action can be, you know, linked to
0: checking in, not just practices that you have to do. So I get that. But it also sounds a bit, you know, fluffy, a bit checking in with yourself, a bit woo-woo. And, <laughs> you know, and and I get it because I've, you know, I've done little bits of this and personal development and, and things like that in the past. But for a lot of our surveyors who, who will be listening, they'll be thinking, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, actually doing it, that motivation to do it and to, you know, you just feel a bit stupid and a bit silly doing it. How do you start doing something like that and not feel embarrassed yeah. Tim
3: well I'm just gonna say the, the body scan that Laura mentioned I think is probably one of the the best ways ways into that and again it gets maybe coming from more from my perspective in that your your brain runs around it's the best thing in the world for jumping from thought to thought. it's what it's supposed to do it's that's you know you're not you're not wrong for having a thousand th- thoughts in about two minutes because that's what it is there for so trying to kind of, this idea of clearing your mind in some way doesn't work, but putting an object in your mind, and that object can be literally concentrating on your toe, moving from one toe to the next toe and up your foot and up your leg. It's a much more practical route into, into that level of, of concentration and slowing down in what you're doing. And it doesn't have to be this kind of full all the way through the body. You can work on little bits and pieces and just take a little bit of time.
1: All right. I think I agree with Tim there that, you know, the body is often a really good way in, but I also get your point of if you're not used to ever doing that, it kind of feels a bit, you know, I mean, actually from a lot of us, we walk around in our heads, you know, we're completely disconnected from our bodies. And I think sometimes if you understand even just a a tiny part of what the science, the science behind what you're doing, and you know that, that simple process of checking in is actually scientifically shown to, to trigger a response in your body. It's almost gives you that, that awareness. It's almost like gives you permission to, to try it. And that's certainly the approach I take is, you know, understand the science, understand what it's doing and know that it can be as simple as that. And it it seem, it seems kind of disconnected from the end result of when you're really stressed and overwhelmed and you're get to the end of the day and you can almost hardly breathe and you can't turn off and you can't get to sleep. And that feels really disconnected from a simple practice of sitting in your car and just double checking if my tents anywhere. But actually if I did that five times in my day, it's almost like if you imagine a balloon filling with air. Like if you've got a balloon filling up with stress in your day and that every time you stop and whether it's you check in on where your shoulders are or you check in on how, even just I'm going to take a deep breath, you release a tiny bit of air from that balloon. So that by the end of the day, instead of having this full balloon, when you lie down to go to sleep, you can't empty it or it blows across the room and you can't sleep, you've actually released a little bit of that pressure. If you think of it like that, it maybe isn't quite such a weird and random task to do.
0: And I guess the other thing that people could do is put little uh, timers on their phone, little alarms, there's like a little practical check-in, to get you starting to just do that, you know, and then then it becomes part of, might be a bit annoying, (laughs) but, but at least then you get, you start to do it. The breath is another one to you. So for different people, it's different things. So
1: some people find that, yeah, that check-in. And in fact, even some some of the things like Apple watches and stuff have that kind of stuff now. It kind of makes you breathe and you just take a breath. And the science around the breath and the power of the breath is, is phenomenal as well, because the breath is actually part of that same part of the brain. That's sort of our oldest part of our brain associated with fight, flight, flight, freeze, the survival part of the brain, the breath is in there. That's sort of like the heart rate and all of those things. But the breath is the only part of that system we can control. So when we take a deep breath, we create this feedback loop that says, well, hang on, if I've taken a deep breath, if I'm in stress response and I take a deep breath, it sends the signal back of, well, it can't be in that much danger because I'm breathing okay. So again, it's that understanding that taking a deep breath isn't just about I'm going to relax myself. It's I'm going to send a signal to my nervous system that I'm okay. And if I send that signal to my nervous system, it will back off, it will call off the walls and it will say, you don't need to
2: worry. And that's what creates the change. Leslie. Yeah, I was just thinking about this from a practical point of view. It all sounds sounds as if it would work for me. And I thought, well, when when would I do it? Because when we're going out, we can't fight, we can't flight, and I do freeze if I get anxious. I can't remember my name let alone what I'm doing and what I'm supposed to be you know (laughs) doing at the house so I thought yeah that's good you drive up think you know give yourself a couple of minutes but you'll drive up and the occupier will be stood at the end of the drive or you know there's going to be things that if you set it too rigidly in your brain Mm. it's going to throw through you it's like the first survey I did, because I've been back a couple of weeks now, and I've been through this, I've been through this, sat in the house, feeling anxious that if I go out, it's going to get me. That went fairly quickly, but my first house wasn't occupied. The neighbour was leaving the key for me, so I thought, oh, low risk. I'm chilled with this. Needed minimal PPE, to be fair, because the house had been empty three months. was fairly chilled till I tried to get in the house with the key and the key wouldn't work. And that was enough to just send me into the freeze mode and I could not think what to do. The neighbour had gone out. So at that point, really, I should have perhaps gone back to a quiet place or back to my car and just sat. And like you said, Laura and Tim, just giving myself a couple of minutes. But I didn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I frantically rang the neighbour who was out for his daily exercise. Who had
3: to um, come back and let me in. So, well,
0: there will yeah, always be things like that 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 sort of go wrong.
2: We've all yeah. had keys that yeah. don't that don't work,
3: Laura. They, they happen no matter what else is going on in the world. Key not working indoors.
2: Yeah, so. <laughs> but but that's that's the cue to sort, that could even set you off for the whole day being stressed. Or mm. I think that's the point from what I've just heard to say. You know, just sit down, give yourself a minute. And also, if you don't get a chance to just give yourself that minute, if, if the owner is stood waiting for you, introduce yourself, do what you need to do, then go back and do it, perhaps.
3: yeah, Be flexible with it. This this is the key where we talk about checking in, is, is noticing that you're stressed. Obviously, from what you've said, you had become stressed, but you probably didn't even, you weren't aware of it because your brain is, is overwhelmed by the situation. Yeah then we get this kind of battle through mentality and again that's a perhaps again is a culturally we all tend to kind of okay well let's just get on with it let's battle through when actually stepping back slowing down is more effective and then you will carry out a more effective survey as a result of it yeah
1: I think well, well, another thing to another I think this is another example where sometimes knowing the process of what's happening in that moment can help because in something like that, what's effectively happened is there's been the trigger. There's been the trigger that's kicked off that, holy shit, there's a tiger on horizon moment (laughs) in your body. And one of the other side effects of that going off, and again, it's a really adaptive thing, is that it disconnects you. It literally is like a stair gate keeping you downstairs in your brain, in the emotional reactive part of the brain. Because if I genuinely did have a tiger coming towards me, that more sort of CEO part of my brain that's able to take the big picture and emotionally regulate wouldn't be helpful if there was a tiger coming because I wouldn't want to be in a, you know, do I go left? That might work. Or maybe I should do this if I was in that emergency situation. So when you feel that sense of, I, can't, I literally can't think, it literally means just that you've been triggered. And so you, you're disconnected from the thinking part of your brain. So exactly as you said, if you take that moment in that point as you're right, I just need to calm. And then you allow that part of your brain to just come back online. And then suddenly the solution's really easy and really simple. But instead of feeling like, why was I so stupid that I couldn't think
0: of what to do? You can think, this is just something my brain does to keep me safe. And for those of you who've got kids, there's a, a great, I think it's Pixar, a Disney film called um, Inside Out. And it's a great film, yeah. You know, to understand how your brain works, it's a it's a great film to. Uh, you should watch it anyway, I think, because it just explains that what your brain is doing, in the different parts, and how complex and connected it gets as you uh, as you grow older. Can we, uh, Leslie? Can we? You talked about sort of being off. Can we just talk touch a bit on actually that period of being off work because. It's not just been any old period of work. For many of us, we've been in isolation and we've been by ourselves, which obviously exacerbates whatever we might be feeling. Then there's our confidence of going back to work and our competency and how we might feel about being a surveyor. We've talked about that on earlier podcasts. And, and it's a bit like, you know, can I ride the bike again? And that was sort of professional part. One of the things I like that you did, Leslie, in the Facebook group, you did a little prompt you video talking about sort of preparing to go back and I loved I loved the fact that you had this huge flask of coffee <laughs> and that's what made me think what do I do if I need a wee. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> the conversations came but that you know how how let's see, how did you find the the period of being away from work and then mentally preparing to go back after a period of time off
2: well I was furloughed and I was very worried about not having a job to go back to which meant that I didn't actually enjoy the six weeks off which was fantastic weather. I had no motivation to do anything and as soon as I knew I was going back that changed instantly. I went back sooner well sooner than any of us thought in the business really. It was when the announcement came out and I'm I'm sure they meant us to go back on the 1st of June but the press seemed to jump on the bandwagon and momentum took over so In my head, I wasn't going back until the 1st of June, but that was brought forward two weeks. My energy levels raised as soon as I knew I was going back, which was one good thing. And I'm ever so good at overthinking, so I thought and thought and thought about what I was going to do. From my point of view, the good thing in one way, the good thing for me, because it works for me, is that it's a small company and we do sort of sail our own ship a little bit each surveyor works in the way they want to. In some ways, I think the corporates have been amazing that they've they've put together a sort of one-fits-all protocol and their surveyors are very protected in that sense. But anyway, I just thought about how I was going to do it, how I felt. I stopped watching the news. (laughs) I stopped watching Boris at 5 o'clock, which made a massive difference, not that I'm slating Boris at all but just not just taking all that that in so yeah especially the first occupied property I really did which was when I did the video and first time ever actually that was my <laughs> you were really brave and well done you well I don't done know you. I don't really know how that happened but anyway but um, you know people appreciate things like that well I know, heard and- over the two weeks my thoughts have evolved. I'm lucky in that I'm, I'm not at risk. I'm not shielding. I've, I've just got myself to think about. So my concern was more about not giving it or passing it from place to place. And over the two weeks I've been back, my, my thoughts have changed and the protocols evolved. And I tend to gauge, we're all good at arriving at a house and gauging the people we're meeting. I think at one point um, when I was doing a state agency at a training, they said, you've got seven seconds to make a first impression. And I think we can all gauge the occupiers in that seven seconds. So I tend to work from that. We're in a bit of a bubble in Lincolnshire. We haven't had an awful lot of cases. And people seem to be quite relaxed, although they are very respectful of the rules I've done five inspections now, and I can safely say nobody has been within two metres of me. Mm,
0: good, Tim.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to pick up on something that Liz is saying, Liz is saying about you know making a first impression. And I think there's almost uh, a leadership role that surveyors can can play in this, but to do that, there is this this dealing with the anxiety issue because if you turn up at a property and you are anxious. The person that you're dealing with is going to pick that anxiety up, and whatever they're feeling themselves, they will be impacted by your anxiety. Whereas, if you're able to get yourself into a calmer place, they're going to respond to you in a calmer way, and they will have more faith in what you're doing. I mean, I've seen a couple of posts people, residents complaining that people aren't using appropriate PPI, and obviously the guidance is you don't need it, but you know, if that's part of that that process, and I would see putting yourself in a calm place as a part of that process, a part of reassuring public Mm. clients and and house and home sellers that we are, you know, we are working in a safe way.
0: That's a a really important point. And I think, you know, I often talk about our surveyor superpowers and Mm. what makes us a surveyor. But one of the key things I think is, just as, as any human, is that our senses aren't just the five or six we think we might have. Now, there are millions of different senses that we have. And... It, that helps us come in tune with the situation. It's like, you, you know, when you walk into a room and someone's had an argument and you can't quite work out why, you can <clears> sort of feel it, can't you? And that's exactly the, the same. When we go into people's homes, they want us to feel, they want to feel protected and, and we want to feel secure as well. And it's a really important thing for us to try and navigate and just to tune in that it is okay. We're just all being safe and doing what we need to do. And we're going to look after each other. Leslie.
2: Yeah, we send guidance out before the survey. And so people know exactly what we're expecting of them and what they should do, because, again, they don't know. They they don't have surveyors in the house every week. So we give them that, and then I ring. I ring on the day before I, I go. So we're already building a relationship with the people we're meeting. The one I did on Thursday, it was out in the sticks, And the lady actually was a theatre nurse at one of the hospitals, which I thought was interesting. And I I rang her in the morning, yes, everything's fine. She says, I've cleaned, I've cleaned, I've been cleaning for two days. And I just laughed. And I think that, I said, I'm only laughing because the last lady said that as well. You know, they've cleaned for two days. But anyway, I couldn't find the place. So I rang her again. So again, it's it's all making, we're normal if we, some surveyors won't ring up and say they're lost, but I she said, you've gone past us. And I completely missed the board.
0: And you're right. But, it's about the relationship, isn't it? And that kind of thing is yeah. so different, doesn't it?
2: But I got oh, there yeah. and they were, sorry, they were they were sat in the garden because that's what they'd been told they had to do. And we chatted and she said, oh, I feel really bad. I can't make you a coffee. And I had my coffee jug, Marion. And I said, <laughs> well, it's fine. I said, I'll, I'll do the outside. I said, I can still have a coffee with you. I said, I've got my jug. (laughs) And that relaxed them. And we did. We sat across the garden. I drank my coffee. They drank their coffee. So that was bringing a bit of normality into it. I must admit, I don't have to do six or seven a day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. um, Can I touch on, uh, or just move on now to actually being off for longer periods? And Tim, I know you've been off for quite a while and you're not going back straight away.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm currently kind of hopeful for a 1st of July return. Although, again, that's a very movable feast because I was actually, I had cancer tail end of last year, so I went through chemotherapy. So one of the things chemotherapy does is knock out your immune system for a good chunks of time. So, you know, I'm now getting on to almost six months past that. So I'm kind of on a reducing risk scale. So I'm you know, relatively confident of going back. But it, it's quite interesting because, you know, back in, I think sort of October, November, December and into into early January, I was fairly isolated for that period as well, again, because of the, the immune system. So really, I, I didn't go into the supermarket for quite a good few weeks over that period. So I to the supermarket it was a very strange experience for me then. I think it would be even more uh, strange when I go back, back now. And the other thing obviously chemotherapy does is it affects your, your ability to think and concentrate and, you know, and for me one of the worst things is I couldn't meditate for the entire time my chemo- during my chemotherapy because it is, you know, purely a, a concentration and my brain was not nowhere near the, the state to do that. You know, if I it was either awake or asleep essentially in a, in a weird sort of way there was no kind of in-between with it. But interestingly, my first, first inspection back kind of uh, mid-January I think was a uh, an interesting experience. And actually having, you know, spoke to Marion running up to this, I actually gone back and looked at the report that I produced. You know, you know what it's like to produce a report. You probably don't think about that a report almost ever again, unless there's reason to or it's audited or whatever's going on with it. And actually, when I look through it, it's probably, you know, up there with the, the best reports that I do because I was on hyper, okay, I've not done this for a while. I need to really focus and concentrate. And it was a, a you know, ultimately a good report. Even though the entire time I was outside, I think I was being chased by chickens, which is a, <laughs> a fun experience. But yeah, it's kind of, it, I, I recognise that, that returning anxiety, you know, because you think, okay, well, can, can I still do this? Am I going to have lost it? And I think, for me, I found that because I actually found it quite kind of, there's a comfort in the routine of what you do. And I know that, that for me, the way I've always worked is I have a, a fairly strict routine. I can, I can vary it and I can work around it, but each element of it is its own routine. And in there's some sense that can kind of feel like a, a mindful practice in itself. You are just, you're going through each step of it. You're giving your full attention to each step of what you're doing. And there are certain practices that, that are very similar in, in their own nature. So it can be a comfort in itself to do what you do.
0: That's really interesting. Mindful surveying. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah, Who'd have, you have thought? You have,
3: you have mindful looking. There is that, that, the practice of mind. Picture
0: yeah, see. but that, that's really interesting because it is when you're doing a survey, it is that methodical routine and you have to be mindful to it rather than just, you know, get into the habit of do, doing it this way and forgetting. You've got you really, really concentrate on it. Uh, Laura? Uh, I, it was really
1: fascinating, Tim, hearing you talk about that and how, you know, that sense when you're going back that of almost, you know, that hypervigilance then of like, oh my God, am I going to be able to do it? And and I guess it made me think of another thing that I often talk to people about with meditation and mindfulness is that, yes, there's a real practical process driven part to that in the sense that this is how you do it. This is the way it can help you. But it also comes along with a sense of being a bit compassionate to yourself. And I think compassionate can be a bit of a you know woolly word as well, but actually it's, can you allow it to be okay that you are worried about things, that you are worried about whether you're good enough, about whether you're going to handle it, about whether... You know, because if you are caring about the other people in the house, so you might feel a sense of oh, what happens if I don't make them feel comfortable enough and they're anxious? And you know, actually being able to acknowledge that it's tough and it's a tricky situation, rather than feeling like you have to just push through and man up and get through it, can be quite a, a powerful thing to do as well.
3: Yes. I'm going to say, again, for me, this to say, it's an interesting conversation. Again, as a, as a ultimately as a, as a man, kind of in sort of in, in the yoga world and all this, this kind of mindful world, it is that that noticing that there's an issue noticing that there is a a feeding that I think certainly for for me was a a difficult process to get into and to actually identify what's going on but as soon as you notice it you can start doing something about it and that's it's you know it's like it's like with anything and let's say as as somebody who's gone through cancer as soon as you notice there's a problem it's quite scary to notice it but once you've noticed it that's actually a good thing because then you start dealing with it and you start moving forward and you can start resolving the issue that, that goes along with it and it's it's the same with your mental health as it is with your physical health.
2: Leslie? Yeah, when you spoke about routine, that was the one thing that I noticed, that we all have our routines and we do them without thinking. And like you said, Tim, sometimes someone will say, oh, do you want to go in this room? And you've got to be strong and and stick to your routine to do a good job. But I had to really, really think on my first couple back. And then that's probably the freeze aspect of it. My, My brain was... I thought I was fine going back, but I was obviously more anxious than I thought because I couldn't remember my routine. I mean, I suppose it's like sounds a, bizarre,
3: but yeah. It, it, but it's, that's how your brain will work. I mean, maybe you can throw that out as a bit of a, a tip for for anybody else going back. Well, you know, okay, we, we're recording this on Saturday, Sunday, most people might be going back on Monday. Before you go out, look at pull your site notes out in whatever format they are and actually visualise the routine of going around a property. We've all yeah. done it hundreds of times. That is that is yeah. stored away there. You can you can pull that memory up and you can go through it in your head before you even even got there. So you're familiarizing yourself back into the process. Mm. And that may work for some people.
0: Yeah. And I guess it's a, an opportunity to experiment and revise to do things differently, you know, if you're really thinking about it. And I love the visualization aspect of it. And what if you imagine the best property you've ever come across yeah you know, where you discovered all the juicy defects and problems and you know <laughs> your best yeah this is what we are like Laura but
2: again, I'm you, know, into
3: anyway.
0: you know but you but you if you imagined your best survey ever best experience of doing it because that's one of the things that I'm really really uh, mindful of is that we need to think positively and forward thinking about how we work and not this away from motivation of I don't want to get sued. And that comes through every pore of our being when we do this kind of work. And ultimately it's why we don't give a good service and we end up being sued sometimes. So having that towards motivation, you know, not necessarily totally rethinking it, but having a, using it as an opportunity to think, okay, well actually does starting inside rather than outside or the loft or the garden or the garage or whatever, does that work for me right now? You know, or can I change it and what can I experiment? Mm. Obviously the thing is you need the checks and balances afterwards. And really also to be talking to your network you know, your support network, you know, do you have someone who can read your reports for the first couple that that go back? You know, have you got someone you can talk through some of these things because these are really difficult circumstances and it's okay to have that support if you've been off, you know, Laura? I was just going to say along
1: the lines of that visualisation again, that you're right, it's absolutely so powerful. And if you're visualising, you know, your order and your routine, visualise it going really well, visualise feeling really confident, visualise coming through the end of the survey and feeling like you're safe and feeling like you've done a great job and picture that more than you picture because we are all prone to overthinking you know that what if what if what if and if you feel yourself going to that spiral of oh my god what happens if it's a nightmare and they're not safe and it feels really what happens if I freeze if you spot as Tim says notice notice if you're going down that loop and bring can bring yourself back to We'll, like, create another scenario, create another scenario where it goes well. Leslie.
3: I mean, that's, right, yeah. That, that's all meditation is, ultimately, is noticing and coming back to what you're supposed to be doing.
2: Well, again, there's, there's been a post on today about going back to work. And I do know I get anxious if I start running out, out of time. That's why I couldn't do six or seven a day, because I do start getting really anxious. But what I said today was sort of be kind to yourself, really, Give yourself enough time, and what I like to do is give myself too much time, so then, if I get done quicker, that's a positive. I'm not on the back step, I'm not chasing myself. It's like, oh, actually, I've got an extra fifteen minutes and and that's that works for me because it's it's positive i'm I'm doing well <laughs> instead of fifteen minutes late, and then I'm doing badly in my head. It's all tricks really isn't
3: it Um tools I mean I, I personally would see one of the for me has always been the great thing about being an independent and working for myself is I do one survey a day
0: okay.
1: you know
3: and again so looking at this issue of where you go to the toilet you know I, I have I have digestive problems that, that affect me in certain ways and sometimes I you know it's not appropriate for me to go to the toilet in, in some restaurant properties so you know I actually have the massive benefit that okay well you know I'm only ever generally a couple of hours from being at home and mm. I can do that and that's for me is this, this great advantage, but as you say, when you come back to working in this, you know, we could probably have a whole other conversation about the, the kind of the, the, the machine and the factory of churning out surveys and valuations and how that, that process drives us into this time pressured, stress driven approach to, to surveying.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, it serves a purpose, it works for certain things for certain people, it's not right, it's not wrong. I think what's important is that for you as, or we as an individual surveyors get to decide, we get to choose the kind of work we do, who we work for and, and we can empower ourselves to do one survey a day or to do 10, you know, we, well, hopefully not, uh, but <laughs> you, you, you get you get the drift, you know, but also I think we just gotta be mindful of peer pressure and we're very good in the industry at that of judging each other Yeah, you know, just, you know, there'll be a lot of people who'd be be worried about going back and don't want to go back, but don't feel that they can go back. There's a whole whole, whole mix of of things. And we've got to remember that we're all different. Our clients are all different. This situation has just created an extra layer of complexity. So it's okay to to speak out and say, actually, I can't quite do this right now, or I need help with this right now.
3: Something I've said to a few people is, if you do not feel weird in this situation, there is something very strange about you, be honest, because we're in an unprecedented global situation. Of course you should feel weird. Like, that's natural, that's, that's, that's right that you feel uncomfortable or unusual or different, because if you didn't, then you probably do, but you're not noticing it. And this is part of that, comes back to that process.
0: Cool, well look, it's been really good to talk to you. Thank you for your time today. I think we've got lots, of, I got lots from that. I don't know about you, it was interesting to talk through. So, yeah, so thank you all for your time.
3: Thank you,
2: Mary. Thank you. you.
0: Bye. You've been listening to the Surveyor Hub podcast. We'd love it if you leave a review and let us know how we're doing. And if you want to find out more about how we're making a difference, visit us at blueboxpartners.com.